2: Shachtum, an Indo Askeliger. Time a mon the end of Chacht er a corp, Agasuligum
1: a Makansha, Gurfeger e a hoir, a nuik cart, len of winter thing. Schilti, vis, turme.
0: Toshi, dochretchet, nach
1: vetach, ara, igornemjon, unchest si in the echo. Vientalem a or corn Ya or elist find us on all the
2: usual podcast platforms this is an
0: irish independent podcast
2: Nicholas Alan Vernon. I do not know how to make this clear. Today on the Indo-Daily, American fugitive or Irish orphan? The unbelievable story of Nicholas Rossi.
0: The man prosecutors believe is a con man with ties to Rhode Island is set to appear in a Scotland courtroom this week.
2: Nicholas Rossi is the man at the centre of an international manhunt. US police claim he faked his own death in an attempt to avoid sex charges.
1: It's claimed he tried to set up his own memorial service so that people could mourn his passing. And he went on the run for years.
2: It's alleged that Rossi has several aliases since going on the run, with this being one that eventually brought him to the attention of police in Scotland when he was admitted to a COVID ward last October.
1: Well, he's been chopping and changing his name for years, creating aliases along the way. This week, here at court, he said he's Arthur Knight, an Irish orphan who's never set foot in the US.
2: But nobody could predict the story that was about to unfold.
1: He said his body was tattooed while he was unconscious in hospital. He said his fingerprints were taken by an NHS employee at a hospital in Glasgow and then sent to a corrupt official in the US.
2: I'm Kevin Doyle and today on the Indo-Daily I'm joined by Sunday Independent columnist Sarah Cadden to look at the lives of Nicholas Rossi and Arthur Knight and to ask if they're one and the same. Sarah, this is a story of two names but one person. So let's try and keep it a little bit simple to start with because it does get confusing. Firstly, tell me who is Nicholas Rossi?
0: Nicholas Rossi is a man from Rhode Island who seems to have had quite a profile in the state uh, in, in the last kind of 20 years. He grew up there, possibly within this the welfare system, in and out, says he went in and out of foster homes, and as an adult became a really strong uh, advocate for the rights of children within the welfare system. Nicholas Alaverdian. he grew up in foster care here, here in Rhode Island. He sued DCYF and made it his mission to fight against what he described as abuses in the state's child care system. And at the time, Nicholas Rossi also became known as Nicholas Aliverdian. And, you know, you'll easily find a lot of TV footage of him lobbying for children's rights. But what emerged then was that Nicholas Rossi, Nicholas Aliverdian, was Nicholas Rossi and in, uh, in, in his younger years had a conviction for a sexual assault and was being investigated for several other sexual assaults. So where Nicholas Rossi is now is that there is a man living in Scotland under the name of Arthur Knight who insists he um, was brought up in Northern Ireland, who says he has never been to the United States, but which, it would, it would through fingerprints, has been shown to be Nicholas Rossi, who is wanted in the United States, who are attempting to extradite him back there. The man prosecutors believe is a con man with ties to Rhode Island is set to appear in a Scotland courtroom this week. Authorities say the man, known under multiple aliases, including Nicholas Alaverdian and Nicholas Rossi, raped a woman in 2008 and then faked his own death in 2020.
2: So the claims against him by American authorities include that he raped an ex-girlfriend in September 2008. Um, he has, as you say, had other sexual assaults and there was a kind of a pattern to some of those in the sense that he would meet up with women first in a public space. Then more later in a private space and the allegations are that he would try and either force himself on them or he would threaten to harm himself if they didn't do what he said. And so he was under investigation for that for quite some time. Um, He disappears and then he dies, Sarah
0: yeah well there was he had one conviction it would seem and then there were several other investigations into him um and during the time that he was aware that there were the he was being looked into it also um came up that there was an allegation of fraud against him by a former foster mother who claimed he took out 22 credit cards in her husband's name and also ran up hundreds of thousands uh, uh, of dollars of debt. And um, then he left the country, he left the United States. And soon afterwards, that was around 2017.
2: And it's believed at that point, sir, that he actually may have come to Dublin um, as his first base before eventually ending up in Scotland, as, as we'll get to.
0: It is. And it is that is believed. And he actually you know, he did keep in touch with people back in the States saying, you know, he left because he was being persecuted and unfairly accused of things he hadn't done because he was being There was a kind of a vendetta against him because of his work in child welfare and that he told some people that he was in Ireland. But what happened then was that he went public to say that he had, um, a form of cancer, and within a few months of that, in 2020, there was a, an online obituary to him, an announcement of his death, from the Alaverdian family office, as, as the statement went, and he had died.
1: It's claimed he tried to set up his own memorial service so that people could mourn his passing, and he went on the run for years.
0: He had been cremated and buried at sea by his widow and... Um, his ashes scattered at sea and he, um, that I presume they would have wanted that to be the end of it. You know, it was so, His the obituary talked about him as a hero for, for children's rights. But subsequently, he, he has resurfaced.
2: Well, speaking of which, it was reported in that, or in that obituary, it was stated that his final words were fear not, and run towards the bliss of the sun. Now, that sounds like something you might put on Hercules' tombstone, but that is the level of uh, the eye-catching obituary, which the authorities in the United States were immediately suspicious about.
0: Well, even his own solicitor at the time in the States said that he didn't find it implausible that he could still be alive, that the timing of it had been, it would make you prick up your ears. So he, he disappeared, though. There was no trace of him anywhere until um, last year. A man was admitted to hospital in Glasgow with very serious complications of COVID. And during that time, Interpol released, uh, they had released a kind of, you know, a, let's call it a wanted um, message. And part of it was that the, um Nicholas Rossi had very distinctive tattoos and that made up part of the listing about him and he these tattoos were identified as matching. This Covid patient going by the name of Arthur Knight in the hospital in Glasgow. Miranda, who claims she married her husband in Bristol two years ago, says she was there when Police Scotland arrested her husband in hospital as he recovered from Covid.
2: And so that brings us to the second person in this story who we believe to be the same person. Is this guy Arthur Knight? Tell me about him and then we'll get into his Covid coma, which actually led to him being identified.
0: You know, people have spoken to his neighbours in Glasgow and people who knew him. And again, he wasn't a guy who was keeping it on the down low. If he he wasn't in hiding, let's say, like his neighbours say that he speaks in a very, you know, what you call a posh English accent? He said he was an. Lotty Daw, I think, is the
2: technical term there.
0: <laughs> cut glass. Let's call it cut glass, <laughs> and he. Uh, was telling his neighbours in Glasgow that he was a professor in the University of Glasgow and apparently liked to kind of hold forth on the evils of Brexit and the local pub. So people were very aware of him in in the area. It wasn't like he, you know, it wasn't like he kept himself to himself.
2: Part of his backstory was that he was an Irish orphan, which fitted with the idea that he couldn't actually provide a lot of paperwork around his back story. because as we know here, people who grew up in a certain area in Ireland where they were adopted have had difficulty accessing even their own basic records. It's quite a clever backstory if you want to kind of cover up why you don't have any information on yourself.
0: The man who says he was born Nicholas Brown in Ireland in November 1986 has no proof of that story. He blames it on Irish law and lack of access to his birth certificate or records from early life. It is. And it also, you know, well, it ties in with the backstory that we now know about him. Definitely having been in foster homes and in foster care in the United States, he sort of kept that grain of truth. But also it's it's a position, it's a, a way of identifying himself that also makes people feel quite sympathetic towards him because clearly he, he must have had a difficult time.
2: He's getting on with his life in Scotland. Then the COVID pandemic comes along. He ends up getting quite sick from that, goes into hospital. Tell me about the tattoos.
0: The tattoos we've seen on photographs, on like mugshots of of, uh, Nicholas Rossi, are very distinctive. One of them is the crest of Brown University in the United States. And they're quite really large tattoos up his arms. Um, He has said that while he was in a coma, these tattoos were drawn onto him in order to frame him for the, the um, charges in the United States.
1: He said his body was tattooed while he was unconscious in hospital. He said his fingerprints were taken by an NHS employee at a hospital in Glasgow and then sent to a corrupt official in the US.
0: And he did refuse at the time to give fingerprints or DNA so it just all centred on the tattoos, which he claims continues to claim. Well, he claimed were drawn onto him. Now he claims there are no tattoos on his arms at all, and that he's not had them removed.
2: And he recently did, and this perhaps is one of the more bizarre elements of the many in this story. He recently did an interview with Dateline, where he wore an oxygen mask and tried to show how he wasn't even able to stand up as evidence that he's not who it's claimed he is.
1: We were once a normal family, but thanks to the
2: media, our lives have been interrupted. And we'd like privacy, and I would like to go back to being a normal husband. But I can't, because I can't breathe. I can't walk. Uh, People say that's an act. Let me
0: try to stand up. Let me try to stand up. Exactly. Exactly. The interviewer says to him in Dateline, are you faking the wheelchair? And he basically goes, how rude, that's extremely offensive. He is also assuming a kind of identity of where you, it is offensive to say to someone, are you faking your wheelchair? Are you faking your oxygen mask? But if you see him being wheeled into court with his, by his now wife and she's carrying the oxygen tank and he's got the mask on, he's also got dark glasses on, he's also wearing a fedora. It is, I mean, you can't help but think it looks like a cartoon disguise. Um, And, it, it, you know, there's an awful lot of footage of uh, Nicholas um, Aliverdian when he was a campaigner in the United States. And you can't help but see that, you know, there is a very strong resemblance despite all the disguise.
2: As you say, Sarah, the caricature, the cartoon almost that he's putting out there, in one way, you you kind of laugh at it. But it is worth remembering that there are alleged victims back in the United States who wants justice. And there is a prosecutor who seems very determined to get him and to get him back to the United States, a guy called David Levitt. And he has followed the case for years. He's determined that this is Rossi. He's the one who was very suspicious of that debt notice. And he has been targeted online by claims that he, has, he and his wife were part of a ritualised child sex abuse ring that was involved in cannibalism and the murder of small children. Like, crazy, dangerous allegations, which he had to publicly deny Sarah.
0: There is no organised ring of abuse. It was debunked. More than 10 years ago, it was dismissed by someone not in any respect affiliated with me. The allegations that are, that are there are so outlandish and so crazy that, um, yeah, they're, they're just not true. Nothing in this story is kind of small. Everything that occurs around this character of Rossi, Alavardian, Knight, it's all very big and dramatic and melodramatic and even down to his wife on Dateline had to, to lift him out of a chair and into the wheelchair. And he's considerably larger than her. And it was a really quite a bizarre kind of gesture, if you want to say, or a demonstration of how incapacitated he is. Everything's very you know broad, dramatic sweeps with him. And this is just part of it. Like that, the you know, that this judge is being accused of cannibalism. It's pretty out there.
2: He was convicted in Scotland for abusing medical staff while he was in hospital. And one of the claims made by the the nurses during that case was that while he had said he was incapacitated and couldn't walk, he then lunged at them from the bed and he was actually fined £500 uh, in that particular case. But the extradition, Sarah, the case to get him back to America, it moves very slowly.
0: Very slowly. And also that assault situation in the hospital is what led to him being fingerprinted because he was refusing to offer fingerprints. But when this occurred, they took fingerprints and the fingerprints matched the fingerprints that they have in the United States for Nicholas Rossi. So it, it, that kind of that backfired pretty badly on him in lots of ways. But still in Dateline, he says, I am not Nicholas Rossi. I don't know what uh, you know, I can do to, to show that I am not this person.
2: I am not Nicholas Allen I do not know how to make this
0: clear. The obvious answer to that is, well, give them your DNA and prove that you're not. But the fingerprints, I mean, suggest is very nebulous because fingerprints are fingerprints. But he would probably allege, this is all part of the elaborate framing of me. But why... You have to ask, why would anybody want to frame this guy?
2: So where is it all at now? He did that Dateline interview, but that was actually pre-recorded last year. It's only aired in the last few days. He's in jail, Sarah, is he?
0: He's in jail and awaiting. And I think next week there's going to be another hearing. And I think they're hoping to get it uh, across the line then and extradite him back to the United States. But He is absolutely adamant that he is not the person they say he is, but the court in Scotland has said, the judge has said, this is Nicholas Rossi. By the evidence of fingerprint, photographic and tattoo evidence taken together, supported by the evidence of changes of name, that Mr Knight is indeed Nicholas Rossi, the person sought for extradition
1: by the United States.
2: My thanks to Sunday Independent columnist Sarah Cadden for joining me today. I'm Kevin Doyle, and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Garrett Mulhall, researched by Neve McGovern, with sound by John Smith. Archive clips were from Scottish TV, The Daily Mail, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, WPRI, Sky News and Independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo-Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.